Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. So, I grew up watching Jeopardy with my dad, who's an absolute monster at the game. And about two weeks ago, he started texting every other day, you've got to have Amy Schneider on your show. His most recent text about her reads, the thing that strikes me about her presence is the equanimity she displays game after game. She's a cool player. Hurry but don't rush vibe. Strong recommendation. And my dad is not her only fan, as her attitude towards life has drawn admiration. She wrote an essay about knowledge and words like oviparous on Defector.com. Here's the conclusion. Knowledge is a shield and a sword, a joy and a duty. And while you may never remember things quite as easily as I do or win a bunch of games on Jeopardy, if you have the desire, not just to know, but to understand, then you will grow more and more powerful every day and nobody will be able to stop you. Legit inspiring. She's a great essayist on a 31-game Jeopardy winning streak and an Oakland resident. Amy Schneider, the Bay Area champion, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, congratulations. Second of all, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself for people who haven't been watching the show and maybe don't know your backstory? Uh, Yeah, so I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, My mom was a college professor and my dad was a a software uh, programmer that uh, also worked in a university. So I was raised in a very education-friendly household. Uh, I moved to Oakland in 2009, so I've been here quite a while, and then I I tell people I plan to die here. I I really love it out here. Um, And yeah, I've been trying to, I've been watching Jeopardy my whole life. I've been trying to get on for over a decade, and this year it, it finally happened, and it went better than I could have imagined. Yeah. Do you have questions for Amy? What's your favorite moment during Amy's Jeopardy run? And maybe... Have you ever tried to be on Jeopardy? Give us a call, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, of course, KQED Forum. Or you can email your questions to forum at kqed.org. So um, what's it actually like to be on Jeopardy? I mean, you knew about how the show worked and everything, but like you do taping, right? I understand it's like kind of taped in bunches. Like, how's that all work? Uh, yeah, so they tape five episodes a day. Uh, they tape on Mondays and Tuesdays. So they, they do uh, a full week on, on each of those two days. Uh, and it's, it's a long day. Uh, we get there at around 7.15 in the morning and stay until it's done, which was usually around 6 p.m. Um, but Ooh. I was told, especially when they, had, they were having all the guest posts, it could be as late as like 9 or 10. Um, so it's really definitely uh, a bit of an uh, endurance challenge as well as everything else. 
Yeah. Um, My dad really wanted to know how you managed to stay fresh during those like really long days of taping. Uh, um, you know, if you saw me at every commercial break, I was leaning on the podium, like trying to give my feet a rest. Um, it was it was not easy. Uh, and I think, you know, the 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 main thing, though, is that like once once the game starts and once you're hearing those questions, uh, you just kind of forget about about any fatigue and you're just in the moment in the game. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a distinct like style of play? Like, how would you describe that? Well, I think to an extent, I have been reacting a bit against some of the the sort of more, I guess, modern <laughs> styles of play. Uh, like, for instance, you know, Matt Amodio, the most recent long streak, he always started with, like, the high dollar value clues. Um, and I found, like, to me, that didn't seem as useful. Uh, obviously, it worked for him. Uh, but I play, I guess you could call it more traditional, kind of tending to stick in the same category, tending to work top down. Uh, and I do that because I don't really think it makes much difference to my chances of success. And I know from watching the game my whole life that it's a little bit more fun to watch that way. It's a little bit easier for the viewer at home to follow along. So I might as well make it easier on them. It's, it's <laughs> a TV show, entertainment. I wondered if actually that's one reason why there's been so much uh, attention and, and excitement about the way you play, because it does feel like an OG way of playing Jeopardy, just kind of take me through the categories, let each question get harder. Like it's kind of playing with the game's design rather than against it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they say in the briefing um, that they give us before each each taping day, well, a lot of things, but one of the things they say is that they think the game works better that way. And that, of course, we're free to do whatever we want. We don't have to do what they think is best. But, you know, I, I like I say, I felt like we're going to get to all the clues anyway, most likely. So might as well do it the way that, that works best. Yeah. yeah. There's also this element of, you know, fast twitch hand muscles, I suppose, the sort of buzzer <laughs> timing. Um, did you know you were going to be good at that part of it? Like before, you know, if you're day one, you know, of this streak, mm-hmm. like how did you, did you practice? Like how'd you get ready for the buzzer? Yeah, I mean, certainly for years, like I've been, you know, excuse me, uh, I've been fairly often when watching at home, having a pen in my hand and sort of practicing, you know, like ringing in with it. Uh, but, you know, I have no idea. There's there's no real way of knowing how that timing in, in your pen at home really matches up with what it needs to be. And actually, in my first game, uh, for the first, you know, about half of the game, like I was really, I was doing okay, but I just really wasn't feeling like uh, what I was doing was working. I was trying to listen and like, you know, kind of anticipate the last word being read. And uh, for whatever reason, I just kind of decided to stop like thinking about it and you know i said it was like my you know use the force luke moment um and at that point like i found that rhythm um just going by sort of instinct rather than trying to sort of you know with my rational mind like look for a specific second and then then i seemed to get locked in and uh yeah i had i had no idea whether that would work out or not but it, it seems to have done so yeah. Do you think you've gotten better, just more reps and more kind of understanding of the timing of the host and all that? Um, I think so. I think that, um, well, certainly I think the timing of the buzzer has gotten better and I've, I've had more confidence in it. Um, I think I'm, I'm almost now that I've had this streak, 
a bit surprised that there haven't been more long streaks just for that reason, that every time the mm-hmm. defending champion is coming in with some practice and the other two are coming in cold. Um, but I will say that I think that uh, over time, like the, the thing that's fighting against that is kind of that fatigue. Um, you know, as, as much as you try to put it out of your mind, I do think that, you know, doing this week after week, you know, flying, like being in a hotel, like all that disruption to your life, um, still having your regular day job to try to keep up with, uh, it does start to wear you down. And I think, I, I think you can kind of see a little bit in the last few games that is getting to me very slightly, like not a lot, but a little bit, I think it started to get to me. Let's bring in our first caller, Kara from San Francisco. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Kara. Uh, just, uh, Amy, I'm so thrilled to uh, hear you on the radio. I'm trans in San Francisco, and uh, I've tried to get on Jeopardy. I used to take the online test, uh, you know, every year and never made it. But I have won about $3 billion playing at home. <laughs> so, you know. Trebek never sent me a check, though, so I don't know. Um, but it's just uh, just great to hear you. Congratulations. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry to hear – I read this morning that you um, suffered a robbery recently, and sorry to hear about that. Yeah. 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 Condolences as well. Kara, you know, I – uh, Amy, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you know, uh, Karen mentioned, you know, you're a trans woman, a fact that's been discussed at, you know, by many during your run. And I wanted to get your take on this line from a New York Times op-ed about you. Uh, the line mm-hmm. is, it's actually not very radical to be trans anymore. What, after all, is more mainstream than Jeopardy? And I just want to ask, is that actually how you've experienced this? Um, in a lot of ways, yes. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I think that when I've gotten, first of all, I've gotten a lot less sort of negative um, reaction on the internet than I kind of expected to, uh, which has been a, a pleasant surprise. But but what I have gotten, I've really noticed that the, the criticism doesn't tend to be about transness being immoral or, or unchristian or dangerous, uh, but it tends to be about it being weird and like, oh, you're a freak and things like that. And so I think that, you know, this wasn't exactly a, you know, a plan or anything, but I think that just, you know, being normal on TV night after night in, in such a, you know, institution of a television program, I think has really shown people that I'm not a freak basically. And that other trans people aren't. Um, And I've, I've heard from people saying that, you know, that their parents or, or grandparents that I'm, I'm the first trans person they've seen them, you know, sort of understand and, and use the right pronouns for and everything like that. Uh, and that's just such a, such a gratifying uh, feeling to, to know that I'm, I'm helping in that way. Yeah. We're talking with Jeopardy! champion and Oakland resident Amy Schneider, currently on a 31-day winning streak, broken the $1 million in winnings mark as one of only four people to reach that pinnacle. If you have a question for her, give us a call 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. I don't really have a question about this, but I do want to play the moment when you broke a million dollars just because it's going to be fun. Let's let's listen in on that. 28-day total of $1,019,600. Amy Schneider, you are just the fifth millionaire in Jeopardy! history and only the fourth to do it in regular season play. What a week. What a champion. How long can she keep it going? Join us Monday. We'll find out. So good. Um, what did that feel like? Uh, it was, 
you know, sort of, yeah, it was, it was surreal. I mean, it's, you know, for one thing, like, it wasn't something I ever expected, but on the other hand, I had known going into that day of taping that if I won all five games, there was a pretty good chance I would, I would reach that mark. So it was sort of like expected, but also not, you know, I, I said to Ken, I never expected a million dollars to be associated with my name in any way, really. Um, and, and now it's happened. Yeah. Uh, and, and it also like is hard to, when you're playing the game, it doesn't feel so much like money. It feels just sort of like points. Um, and, and I also haven't gotten the money yet. So in, in that sense, <laughs> it still doesn't feel real. I'll, I'll be getting it sometime in March. Um, but yeah, just, just such an honor and just such a, like, such a, like, privilege to be on that list and with those names of, of people that I've admired as, as Jeopardy players for years and years. Yeah. Uh, a few tweets from fans. Um, Lori says, as a lifelong Jeopardy fan and also adopted Oakland as my new hometown, I joined thousands of Amy Schneider admirers worldwide, loving her post-game tweets too. And because representation matters, so inspired by her powerful openness about her life as a trans woman. Another listener writes, lifelong Jeopardy fan and have been fanatically following Amy Schneider for weeks. So thrilled for her, especially because she and her girlfriend live in Oakland and my girlfriend's uh, mom lives a couple of blocks from me. So exciting. And then here's the question in this one. But I just don't understand how she's been able to keep this enormous secret for months because the episodes we're seeing of her now were taped back in October and November. Nevertheless, we're still yelling at the TV as if she could hear us. And I have to ask, that must be strange, right? Like everybody is living your mm-hmm. history right now, right? <laughs> I mean, so weird. We're going through, oh, 31-day streak, 30. But you already know what happened, right? Yeah, yeah. No, it was, you know, especially like the, that first week, I was getting people, you know, texting me with every game. And I'm like, boy, you don't realize what you're, uh, you know, setting yourself up for if you're going to keep this going. Um yeah, it was, I mean, it wasn't easy. I told probably a few more people than I really should have, uh, but looks like we were, you know, I was, I was right to trust them that it didn't get out on the internet. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's been, uh, it's definitely been weird knowing that I've made this history and that nobody else knows it yet. Um, and just answering questions and trying to play it cool and, and say, oh, you know, I had, I had a great time. Uh, you know, you'll see, but it was, it was a lot of fun and, and, you know, neutral things like that. It wasn't easy. Yeah, I would, I, I would have failed at that part of it. Uh, Pat from Palo Alto, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Um, Amy, my God, um, my husband and I, we watch you every night. I mean, we tape it when we're going to be away. And, um, I mean, I just love your demeanor on there. We we want you to become that household name that Ken Jennings has has become. Um, Actually, when the robbery occurred, it broke our hearts. I mean, people. But uh, actually, most uh, my my major question has already been been discussed. I'm really interested in your thought process for answering those questions i mean do you you're so fast do you think of the answer and hit the button or then button and then hit the answer how on earth i can't even get the question in my head before you've already answered it can you talk about that yeah pat thank you so much that's a great uh great call and i want to piggyback on it with bruce's uh comment from uh from twitter do you have any special abilities like a quote-unquote photographic memory what techniques do you use to remember facts like 
How do you see knowledge in 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 broad terms? Yeah, so I think, you know, I think I, there's, there's two things. One is that, you know, I don't have a photographic memory or anything like that, but I do have a good one. And that is just sort of the luck of the genetic draw, um, that things stick in my brain a, a little more easily than they do for other people. Uh, I think another thing is I've been watching the show literally my whole life. I can't remember ever not watching it. And so with those, you know, 30 plus years of, of experience watching it, I I'm kind of in tune with the writers and their wavelength. And so like being able to decipher the clue and figure out what question they're actually answering is or actually asking is, is a really important skill that I just have just from, you know, years of, of watching the show. Um, you know, otherwise I think the main thing that I, I learned from my mother about, about learning is that, Facts by themselves aren't interesting, and there has to be something interesting about them to stick in your memory. So, you know, when we would be studying for the spelling bee, uh, you know, instead of just talking about the spelling, we would talk about the etymology and why it, why it might be spelled that way, what language it came from. Um, and, you know, like talking about the one that sticks in my mind is that she talked about how interesting it was that stoic comes from this architecture term because the Stoa was where the earliest Stoic philosophers would stand around and talk about their philosophy. Um, so, you know, that's always stuck in my mind because I thought that was an interesting fact, whereas the word by itself is just a word that wouldn't necessarily uh, mean anything to me. So I think that's definitely the key in, in my experience to broadening your knowledge is to try to fit everything you learn into a pattern with everything else that you know, like fitting into a historical context, uh, etymological context, wh whatever it might be. I I love that. I mean, this your defector essay goes into this, which I really highly recommend. It's mm -hmm. one of the best essays that I've read in years. You're, for you, these facts fit into this larger tapestry of knowledge and power and the production of that knowledge. I mean, this is like really an incredibly powerful approach to knowing things and, and understanding things. And I can't remember a Jeopardy champion ever who seemed to have that sense of the undergirding of their answers to these questions. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, and obviously I can't, I can't speak for them. I, I suspect that most of them probably have at least some, some amount of that to themselves. I think that uh, from what I can tell about Ken Jennings, actually, you know, we don't have a ton of interaction, but, you know, you can always, I could always sort of see that when somebody answered incorrectly, he could see like where they were coming from. He could see like, you know, he could understand their thought process. To, to reach that, that answer even when it was incorrect. So I definitely think that, that he has somewhat of the same mindset. Yeah. This has been Jeopardy! champion and Oakland resident Amy Schneider. She's on a 31-day winning streak, at least as far as we know, and has already broken the $1 million in winnings mark. Thanks so much for joining us, Amy. My dad will be so happy. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. This was really fun. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, 
the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.